Australian cricket in the 70s when men were men in their cricket whites with sharp red streak down the side of their trousers and chest hair and sideburns. It was also, I think, the beginning of the end of cricket as we knew it with the introduction of colours and the white balls and helmets all under lights. I think a lot of us have memories of, of cricket that really has helped define who we are as Australians from that time. ABC presenter Barry Nichols is a former cricketer and an eternal fan and he's crafted his memories into the book Cricket Dreaming, The Rights of Summer. He's with us on Afternoons Now. Hi, Barry. G'day, Jilo. I'll tell you, this This book brought back a lot for me and my, my clearest image of cricket when I was a, a kid is Dennis Lilly powering down the crease and his arm hooked over his head, clutching a red ball and... You know, he had his shirt unbuttoned just about to his belly button and the chest hair splayed against his wife. <laughs> so. That was one of the reasons I, I wanted to write the book was that I found that I was standing around at barbecues with mates and we'd be talking about the same sort of uh, moments that endure, whether it's Dennis Lilly sort of running in as you've described or Doug Walters hitting a six off the last ball in the test match in Perth at uh, in 74, 75 or or Jeff Thompson slinging one down. He was an amazing athlete, Jeff Thompson. Or Ian Chappell, remember, he used to pull on the box when he was batting. You remember that at all? And he had the collar turned up, and he'd always look at the sun when he walked out to bat, and the the gracefulness of of Greg Chappell. All those sort of things that seem, well, in some ways like they were yesterday, but in other ways it feels as if they were just so far away. And in the cricketing world... You know, it was light years away from where we are now. The idea of me writing this book was to try and provide some memories because cricket has changed so much and it moves at such a quick pace nowadays. There's so much cricket around. I just wanted to remember what had happened that seemed so significant in our lives, you know, 30, 20-odd years ago. And there have just been some absolutely great moments from, from those times, I think, that stand out for all of us. And I've, I've got a little one for you. That's a hook for four, and it's third bounce. Three fours in this over. Two authentic hooks. One off the edge. Well, they're getting delirious now. Three balls all gone for four. And he's done it again. Four more. My goodness. Lily again. Beautiful hit, magnificent hit, picked up from roundabout leg stump. Do you remember that one, Barry? Yeah, so you're looking at the Oval in 1975 there, with the World Cup, uh, one of the minor round games. That's when Alvin Calatron scored a, a terrific 78. He hit 35 off 10 balls from Dennis Lilly. There can't be too many batsmen who have done that. And that was really the start. Uh, the West Indies knocked over Australia in that match. They went on to win the final. That was the start of the West Indies becoming a real force in world cricket, although they came out to Australia and really struggled in the Test Series. But then uh, that was in 75-6, and then in 76 they went to England, and they really were a force. And they pretty well dominated world cricket until 1995. When, For another 20 years. Yeah, it's remarkable. Let's talk about a few of those really sort of great moments. What, what's, what's your number one? Would it be that World Cup? No, I reckon my number one cricket moment would have to be when uh, Kim Hughes scored 100 at Boxing Day in uh, 1981. Uh, it was the first of what we've come to know as the Boxing Day test matches against the West Indies, against the might of their fast bowlers on a, a pitch that was so bad that uh, Bill Laurie, who commentates on Channel 9, he's a former Australian 
uh, cricket captain. Uh, he said that he wouldn't even drive his car on it. It was that bad. And uh, at this this particular day, uh, Kim Hughes scored a, a hundred. Terry Alderman uh, managed to stay at the crease long enough so that Hughes would get from I think seventy odd to a hundred. And then by the end of the day, Australia had the West Indies four for ten, and Viv Richards was bowled off the last ball of the day. So that's probably the the prime memory for me. They used it, to be appalling the pitches, don't they? I remember my um, as uh, as kids just going out to the Wacker, and my father was a mad cricket fan, so he would always, you know, and you could walk out on it and have a look, and I, those those crusty old cracks he used to get right down Yeah, there, that's it? right. You used to be able to walk out, didn't you? That was yeah. one of the rituals at the end of the Test match where you'd run out onto the oval and uh, maybe grab a little bit of the pitch. Couldn't do it nowadays, eh? No, Too you many couldn't. security people around the place. Well, that's that's right. The security guys were just uh, just there to say hi, <laughs> really. <laughs> just to assist the streakers as they came off the field. <laughs> that's right. Help them put their clothes back on. <laughs> yes. But, um, it, I mean, we're talking there about the Melbourne wicket. You were saying there that some of the wickets that you saw when you went out at the end of the game weren't too flash. In Melbourne during that period around the early 1980s, it was just a dreadful pitch. It was up and down and all over the place. And uh, I, I don't think they'd even play international cricket on it. I don't think there is a there is a, um, a a really diehard cricket fan that can walk past either you know Adelaide Cricket Ground or their local footy ground with a cricket pitch on it without going to check it out. No, well, I just right. wander over and have a look at the pitch. It's funny, you know, how we've because I've written about pitches because whenever you play cricket, the pitch is all unless you're playing on hard wicket when uh, the pitch is always the same. There's always discussion about the pitch and how it's going to play. It's like where players gather before the match. It's, you know, they hover around it. And during the week, players, if they're a bit towy, because there might have been a bit of rain, they'll, you know, if they happen to be near their home ground, they'll wander out and have a look at the pitch. But, you know, it it conjures up all sorts of memories like that. And I find myself, you were saying that, you know, you walk past an oval, you tend to wander out and have a look at the pitch. I found, and even I do it today, if I walk past an oval and there's a turf pitch there, I, I have to go and have a look at it and see what the quality of the wicket's like. I'd like you to tell me about what the appeal was for you when you were a kid and then when you're going to a game and then what it's like going now. When I was a kid, the whole idea of uh, cricket was, it was just part of the landscape, the school landscape. Like you'd go to school, there'd be cricket everywhere. I have an enduring memory of when I was a young tacker in the the pre-primary days or the very early primary days, looking out onto the oval where all the big kids played and there there was this line of trees and they'd all be playing along Uh, with the tree as the wicket and it just looked fascinating and there was this frenetic activity there was no rhyme or reason really to it there was disputes for a little while and then the game would move on quickly and uh, then the oval would disperse much more slowly than uh, than the the kids arrived out in the first place so I was surrounded by that was one of the appeals another appeal was there seemed to be a sense of ritual about test cricket you'd go there it would be uh, yeah, somewhat more, yeah, much more polite audience certainly at the start of the day uh, when it compared to football, and there would the players would go out. There seemed to be an order to things. There was clapping when players got to fifty. Once um, you know we'd reached lunch, the uh, umpires would take the bales off. It was all very ritualised and formalised. There were these signals that were being shown, these magical signals by the umpire. There was the score, um, the scorebook, which had almost like a code in it 
that you needed to be taught how to understand. And then there was the rich history of the game. And, and all of those things combined to, for me and created something that was really fascinating. And that's the joy of test cricket, I think. And that's the problem if you lose test cricket. With, with test cricket, there's stories within stories, whether it's rivalry between players, uh, whether it's uh, a player's performance compared to other years, whether it's the nature of the pitch. All these stories are told out over a four- or five-day test match. The opportunity to do that doesn't happen with 2020 cricket and one-day cricket. And I think that I don't mind 2020 cricket. One-day cricket doesn't interest me in the slightest, 50-over cricket, unless it's a World Cup. And I think that uh, nowadays, without wanting to sound like an old fart, that uh, test cricket is fantastic, but we don't want to lose that element of test cricket. And there's a whole lot of people out there that I'm sure would would agree with me. And that was... um the impact of Kerry Packer again back in the 70s. Do you think there was any other one man that had more influence over the game? Oh, gee. Uh, Don Bradman, I suppose, because he he was the guy who brought about a change in tactics that was so severe that uh, they had to change the laws when they introduced body line to try and um, uh, counteract Bradman's enormous run scoring. I think in the modern game, Packer by far is the most significant figure. He's the guy that ensured that Test Cricket survived, I think, uh, by giving it enough buoyancy uh, financially. And also, he made life so much easier for the players. All of a sudden, the players, instead of being paid uh, a pittance, were, were paid a, you know, a really decent quid that they should have been uh, paid for, for playing at such a high level. Barry Nichols, there's some beautiful memories there. And they'll probably, I think, Cricket Dreaming, the rights of summer, might spark off a few memories that you've had of, had of the game. I think we've all got them. Thanks, Barry. My pleasure, Jill. Thanks for speaking with me.